0: Do you sometimes wake up dismissing a nighttime dream as having no significance? Well, there are countless people in the world who have a life-changing dream every evening. And I'll tell you about that and what it could possibly mean in your life. Why is God especially visiting the Muslim nations with dreams and visions? One of my most popular books called Miracles Among Muslims, the Jesus Visions, documents the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit that's going on right now in the Islamic world. You see, the Bible promised in the book of Joel that in the last days the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon all flesh. And that includes about a billion precious souls in the Middle East and the Islamic world. They are in many nations where a messenger of the Lord couldn't physically go. But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit is reaching these people by moving into their private rooms in the nighttime through dreams. People are having dreams and visions, particularly of the last 24 hours. Of our Lord. They see his passion, that Yeshua did die on the cross because Islam teaches that Jesus was too good to die, that he was somehow spirited away to heaven and somebody bad like Judas was crucified in his place. But if Jesus didn't die, we don't have a Savior. The Holy Spirit is teaching And he's doing it through the divine agencies of dreams and visions. And he's showing many Muslims, Jesus dead in the tomb, then they see him resurrected. And then the most typical of these dreams is that the Lord appears to them as the resurrected King of Kings, not just a prophet. He's in a gleaming white robe with his arms and hands outstretched, beckoning them to come to him. Somehow in these dreams, they always know it's the Lord and not their prophet. How is that? Through the spirit of revelation, they realize it's Jesus either by the wounds in his hands or they just know by the Spirit of God. And often in these dreams and visions, Jesus is holding the Holy Bible. The Lord has led me through the years, also through dreams and visions a characteristic, as I said, of these last days according to the prophet Joel. The Lord appeared to me as a child in a vision and He healed me when He appeared to me as a child. But many years later, I had a dramatic dream in which I saw the map of Arabia. And I saw a certain city on the map and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say just one word. And what do you think it was? Well, there was a shaft of light pointing to that city in my dream and when God speaks, many times he speaks very economically, he just said one word, go. After all, Jesus said in the Bible that he's given us the keys of the kingdom and he directs us where to go and to loose the kingdom. And he said whatever we decide to bind, because the Holy Spirit has shown us heaven will back us and bind. And whatever we take the initiative to loose in this earth because the Holy Spirit has shown us to do it, heaven then decides to answer our prayer, back us up, and loose the power of God. This is the power of intercessory prayer to loose potential billions of souls to be capable to respond by faith to the demands of Jesus. And God said for me to go to Arabia. Well, in those days, we had a ministry center here on the Mount of Olives, and we were praying one winter on February the 19th. I marked that in my journal. And I said, Lord, please, you've given me this assignment to go to Arabia, but help me to get there and to know who to contact. Well, an Indian pastor who knew about the move of the Holy Spirit in Arabia advised me. He said, go to a school run by an Indian lady in that particular city that I would seen on the map because he said the Holy Spirit is moving there. So my husband and I showed up at that school and I remember that every classroom had a portrait of the Emir who governs that country. And I said to the Indian woman running the school, I heard that the Holy Spirit is moving here. What happened? And so I was totally amazed when she told me that on February the 19th, the very time that we were praying for her in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, Jesus himself had walked into her school by vision and had appeared simultaneously to 19 Muslim boys who were fasting for the first time during the Muslim fasting month of Ramadan. The boys were ten-year-old and they were fasting and for the first time they were singing a song they were singing we're thirsty for you O God for more of you we're thirsty in a dry land suddenly while we were praying here on the Mount of Olives all of those students saw a flash of lightning outside of their classroom and that classroom has subsequently almost become like a shrine because of the revival that happened, because the Lord, by vision, walked in. This was an outstanding vision because the Lord appeared simultaneously to all of the boys. Now, it was one thing when the Lord appeared to me as a child, as I said, and healed me, and that was my earliest childhood memory of the Lord coming to me as the King of the Jews and as my healer. I had been a very sickly child, I had a hole in my heart, I had to wear corrective shoes. My parents who were in the ministry said that I was dying, bleeding internally. I had even lost all of my hair, but I will never lose it again because Satan cannot put any oppression upon any of us a second time unless we fall into sin and let him. But that is one thing I can tell you, Jesus appeared to me. Maybe you believe me, maybe you don't. But in Arabia, the school children were all seeing him at the same time. And so that was an especially outstanding vision, what's called a corporate vision. 19 students all seeing him at once. And the Lord was carrying just as if to make a statement, a big oversized Bible in his arms. It was a huge Bible. The students couldn't miss it. And these Muslim boys wondered why wasn't he carrying the Quran? But in the vision, Jesus was carrying the Holy Bible. Now the Lord appeared to them as a man dressed in a white robe in glory and light emanated from his presence. And in another moment he appeared as three men. And then they looked again And he appeared to be one man, but then he appeared like three men. And so, by vision, he was teaching them about the triunity of God. Also released throughout the classroom, they said, was the fragrance of the rose of Sharon. Now, Jesus laid his hands on each boy, and as he did, he asked them what their needs were. Some were sick and requested healing, and others said they had family members who were sick and needed help. Some of them asked for help to pass their exams. But whatever they needed, he said, it is done, it is done. And as he laid hands on each of these boys, they felt the cool, refreshing water of the Holy Spirit rushing through their bodies in that hot climate. But the whole vision in which the Lord revealed himself to these Muslim children was like a parable because the classroom teacher never saw the Lord. But what does the Bible teach? Unless you become as a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The boys kept saying, teacher, teacher, he's touching you right now. He's laying his hand on your head. But the teacher never saw the Lord. But all of the boys spoke with him and interacted with him and there was a revival that took place. Even the imam, the leader of the local mosque, sanctioned this visitation as a miracle. And so the Holy Spirit sent us right in the middle of that revival and told us to start loosening the captives and teaching. And Muslim men would come onto the compound of the school not knowing there was revival services going on. They would come perhaps to deliver a package or some other materials, but the moment they step foot upon the premises of the compound of the school, phenomenon happened like in previous revivals throughout church history. You see, in many true revivals, there's something like a circumference, a radius of the Holy Spirit anointing and influence over a region. For example, it's recorded that in the Hebrides revival in Scotland that hardened sinners fell by the roadside and began to come under strong conviction in the ditches to repent. Well, these men in Arabia were not attending gospel meetings, but revival was in the air. And men fell down under the power of the Holy Spirit and they couldn't get back up onto their feet even if they tried because of the weightiness of the Holy Spirit. About 45 minutes later when they were finally able to get back on their feet, what do you think they asked for? They asked, hallelujah, for a Holy Bible. And so the Lord is visiting the Muslim nations because He's answering the prayer of Abraham, the father of all the Abrahamic faiths. Why was Abraham able to get up early in the morning, obediently as recorded in the Torah in Genesis chapter 22, to take his son Isaac to be sacrificed, not hesitating, allowing his precious son Isaac to lie down on the wood after Abraham had carefully arranged the wood of the sacrifice? You see, Abraham had already passed a similar test when he was told by God to banish his firstborn son, Ishmael, to send Ishmael away into the desert in order to solve the dispute in his family between warring wives. Abraham had said, Oh God, Ishmael is my firstborn, let him live. But God said, Isaac shall be your only son legally in my eyes, through whom the covenant and promises will be fulfilled, Isaac being the son, of course, of Sarah. Most normal parents have a love tie to all their children, so Abraham cried to God, let Ishmael live. In other words, let him be the son of promise. But God said, I've heard your prayer. Nevertheless." The promise is going to pass through Isaac and through Isaac's line all the way to Messiah. And today God is answering Abraham's prayer in this generation. That's why he makes us prayer intercessors to be co-heirs with Messiah our Savior. And Messiah authorizes us as his representatives in the earth to loose souls who are bound in darkness we can set them free through our prayers, through our fasting, and through preaching of the gospel. And that is why I must mention in this broadcast the importance of a verse in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 where it says, it gives us a warning, Beware, my brothers, lest there be found in any of you an evil heart of unbelief causing you to depart from the living God. You see, when God calls us to corporate intercession, we've got to be sure we don't have any unbelief in our hearts. We've gone past the point of no return, I believe, in our times. We haven't got that much time left, not only in perhaps the days that we're individually allotted upon the earth, but also until Yeshua returns. Have you noticed how fast time is racing by? Everyone says to me they think time is racing by very quickly. It seems to be moving so much faster. God has got many things for you and me yet to do. Things for us to decree, revivals for us to believe for, challenges, exploits to accomplish. One day the Lord said to me I want you to start holding open-air meetings on the Mount of Olives here in Jerusalem. And I said, it's going to take some faith to do that because they're all Muslims living up there on the Mount of Olives. And in those days there was an open-air restaurant on the summit of the Mount of Olives, a wedding park run by a Muslim whom I befriended. The place was called The Tent. I reasoned with the Lord that it would be easier for me to rent a meeting room in a hotel on the Mount of Olives. But he said to me, do what I want, where I want it, how I want it, when I ask for it, and don't talk to me about what it costs. Just get it done. Have faith. And he added a biblical phrase. The Lord quoted the Bible. He said to me, do thou according to the heavenly pattern. In other words, do what he has in mind. His picture. So when God shows you to do something, do it where He tells you, not the way you think it ought to be done. Now, today I can take the word of the Lord a lot quicker, but in those days I had to have more confirmations because I was starting out in many ways in the open-air gospel preaching. If we know God in His voice, we shouldn't need a lot of confirmations to do His assignments. But to tell the story, I had a phone call from a friend who said that a pastor wanted me to visit his church on the Mount of Olives the following morning. I said, I don't even have any money to take a taxi up to the Mount of Olives, but my friend said the pastor would collect me door-to-door service. So I agreed and the next morning the pastor comes and he takes me to the service in a little church on the Mount of Olives. And there were only about three people in that service. There was no worship. The pastor goes to the pulpit and the first thing he does is he opens the Bible and he reads from the book of Hebrews, a quote from the Torah. Do thou according to the heavenly pattern. What a sign. I said, okay, Lord, I'm listening. That's it. That's my confirmation. I'll hold the open air meetings here. In the tent park on the Mount of Olives. So we held a number of meetings under the banner, Healing on the Mount. And during the first meeting we ever had, the Arab workmen were building a fountain. Can you imagine? And while our gospel meeting was going on one afternoon, they continued to work. I happened to be preaching my text was Zechariah 13:1, where it says a fountain shall be opened in Jerusalem for the cleansing of the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and right in the middle of my sermon the workers turned on the electricity and the fountain just splurted open it was a sign and it was amazing and then right after that my husband and I went to preach in Pakistan and we planted by the grace of God, a Tabernacle of David in the heart of Pakistan in the only village where there's not a mosque. Despite what you hear and see on the news, God is winning Pakistan little by little. And I prophesied in our Tabernacle of David in 2005 in Pakistan that God would give Christian broadcasters time on national TV. The pastors could hardly believe the prophetic word, but they rang me up about two months later and said, you're not going to believe this. But I said, I believe. I can believe anything God does because I've seen too much to have an evil heart of unbelief. And so they said that General Musharraf, who was president of Pakistan at the time, decided suddenly at Christmas to give some channels to the Christians to preach the Gospel. And today there are many Christian pastors broadcasting in Pakistan, and they all need our intercessory prayers. We are working with some of the best and the brightest of these shining and brave stars for Jesus. One of our greatest tent meetings in Pakistan was in the city of Faslabad, named after King Fazel of Saudi Arabia. In fact, a number of years ago, my husband and I were at the airport in London waiting to fly to Lahore. And my husband's cell phone rang. It was our son saying, Dad, are you sure you want to go to Pakistan? I heard my husband say, well, the flight is leaving in about 30 minutes. But our son said, they're rioting in Lahore. What had happened is that a Christian in a Village north of Lahore had been accused of burning a Quran, and every church in that Christian colony was destroyed. Fanatics had poured chemicals on overhead ceiling fans so that the metal in the fans just wilted like flower petals and they burned buildings with all kinds of destruction. But we said to our son, we're going because we've had no word from the Lord not to go. We have peace. You see, the peace of God is one of the greatest forms of divine guidance. If you don't have peace, don't go. But when you have peace, you can go even in the middle of a storm, and you can experience the eye of the storm, the eye of God, peace in the midst of the storm. And so we got on the plane, and we did many meetings, and we never experienced any fanaticism. Danger was all around us, but God shielded us. And as we drove from city to city doing meetings, I could see an angel of the Lord riding in the van with us along with our own armed bodyguard in the natural. But you see, God watches for our obedience. Tremendous healings took place in our open air meeting in Fossilabad and wonderful things happen. But always we have to be careful that there is not found within any of us an evil heart of unbelief. Because God is doing many wonders and he wants us to lead revivals in these last days. And he's searching the earth to find workers who will go and obey him. God has invested a lot of teaching and training in this generation to get you and me to a place of revelation. It's taken years for some of us to get to this place of revelation. And now we're coming to the home stretch, and we need to endure and be well to finish the job of the Great Commission. But every family I know is fighting some sort of battle or sickness and disease. And so I want to say again, we have to be so careful that there's not found in any of us an evil heart of unbelief that would disqualify us from accomplishing exploits in these last days. That's why it's very important that we ask regularly, Lord, do I have any sin in my life? Have I cheated you, Lord, financially? Have I committed adultery in my heart? Have I spoken evil against your anointed ones? Or have I murmured and complained? You see, we might think adultery is evil, but we don't realize how much God hates murmuring. We may think murder is terrible, but God also hates complaining and grumbling. That can bring down upon our bodies the consequences sickness and disease. Well, it does. I can show you that from the Word of God. It's written in the Torah that God sent a plague against the Israelites because of their murmuring and their complaining. We have to check ourselves to discover if we're living in unbelief towards any of God's promises. I could be living a holy moral life, yet I could still have within my heart unbelief. That's why we're cautioned in Hebrews 3.12 not to have an evil heart of unbelief. And so we have to repent for having unbelief. And I have to tell you as a rule fully believing God, grasping the spirit of revelation, doesn't happen to us overnight. Believing God and standing strong on His promises happens because we have spent quality time meditating on the Word of God, listening to anointed tapes, CDs, discovering anointed ministries in the earth, listening to their teachings, meditating on the Word, finding all of the faith scriptures in this Bible and meditating on them day and night, confessing them boldly. And as we do these things faithfully, then. We speak faith continually, and these principles gradually become established within our hearts. And then they come to pass. And so when an ache or a pain or some symptom or problem comes, we have been so fortified by the Word of God and by our confession that we'll know how to resist temptations and sins and sickness and problems. James 4.7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But most believers don't resist. We just have to train ourselves to resist and to cut off attacks. And then the peace of God is what keeps us. But if we panic, then we realize that we don't really have true faith. But if the peace of God is there in our spirits and we're not panicking, We can speak to that problem, we can speak to that mountain to leave and it will have to obey us. God has given us guarantees in his word. He made a covenant of healing and he said, if you obey my word, he lays down conditions, if you will keep my laws, my commandments, not if you'll live just like any common person in the world giving place to the devil, but if you will obey my word, then I will not permit any of these diseases to come upon you. And that guarantee to God's obedient children is in the New Testament over and over again. The Apostle Peter summed up the ministry of our Lord in Acts 10, 38, when he said Yeshua went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Yes, that was the summation in one verse of our Lord's ministry through the Apostle Peter, the Lord's closest associate. The Lord healed all because God was with the Lord. I hope this edition of Exploits has encouraged you to be strong and to accomplish the works of the Lord, to believe for revival in difficult nations, for nothing is too hard for the Lord. Until next time, I'm Christine Dorig encouraging you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to visit our website at exploits.tv where you can find out how to receive our free color ministry magazine, Exploits, based upon Daniel 11 and 32 that says the people who know God will be strong and carry out exploits. One of the greatest privileges of this generation is to be a watchman upon these walls of Jerusalem. If you appreciate what God is doing in these last days, bringing his people home, building up the Isaiah 19 highway, connecting Egypt and Israel in Assyria through prayer, through Bible teaching, then you are one of the watchmen keeping the Jerusalem channel on the air. Thank you for surrounding the Jerusalem channel like the walls of the old city fortifying us with your prayers with your support and thank you for sending your comments and your questions it means so much to connect with you and to meet new believers all around the world through the jerusalem channel if you're in the united states your gifts of course are tax deductible because we are a faith-based charity And if you're in the United Kingdom or anywhere else in the world, we also need your partnership and your support. We care for all of those who care for the Jerusalem Channel, and we pray for you out of Zion. I'm Christine Dard, blessing you and thanking you for supporting and watching the unique Jerusalem Channel.